0: Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology podcast. I am Cody Fields, the president of the Westminster Family of Guitar Effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology podcast lounge. I know that's a mouthful and a keyboard full for that matter. On Facebook, you can follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Hey, Just for the record, your comments and sharing and all that really helps us reach more people, so make sure you do that with the posts. Also, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and leave a five-star review. I am actually flying solo this week. Uh, Bradley and John are both tied up with other obligations, so I'm just going to make this as much of a dumpster fire as I can, uh, and, and we'll make it awesome. We're gonna start with nine marks of a healthy worship leader. This article was written uh, about five years ago by Alex Duke at NineMarks.org. They are a fantastic organization. Uh, I highly recommend the Pastors Talk podcast with Mark Dever and Jonathan Lehman. And I just wanted to kind of go through uh, this guy's list of here's what I think would be a good idea uh, for for basically qualifications for a worship leader and then transition into some rapid fire that I uh, accumulated from the the Facebook group. So, here we go. So number one, and this this is the only one where I had a little pushback. But he also included uh, some pushback that he got. Where number one, your worship leader. And by the way, uh, I'm not talking about people who are only uh, playing instruments. Uh, that's another discussion. It's a very good discussion. We need to have that discussion. Uh, however, uh, in this in this case, we're we're talking about the guy, if you will, the the worship leader. If that makes any sense, uh, at res, we don't really have, like, a guy. Uh, we've talked about it before. We kind of do it by committee. Um, but I guess in a in a functional sense, that would also mean uh, whoever is in charge that week, so to speak. Uh, so, one, your worship leader should meet the biblical qualifications of an elder. Uh, this is important even if he won't be called an elder. The congregation... It will likely treat him like one, Uh, and it's important to remember the qualifications of an elder pastor shepherd include being apt to teach. This is what worship leaders do, and their aptness to teach, or lack thereof, is evident every week in the songs they select and the way they facilitate the congregation's worship. I need to add a caveat here, depending on what song leading looks like in your particular congregation, meeting the qualifications of an elder may be unnecessary a friend of mine helpfully pushed back on this point and offered a helpful distinction a person who is simply leading musically needs to have the biblical qualifications of a deacon slash deaconess a person who is leading that portion of the service which includes songs prayers and readings needs to have the qualifications of an elder i agree under the assumptions the second scenario naturally propels the. "Quote unquote" song leader or what have you into a more pastoral function. Now that that can be true uh, at Res, we I think we would call ourselves maybe a soft complementarian. Uh, some people might take it a, 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 take unction with that, but uh, we we have male called male elders. I think that is important to uh, to distinguish. Um, this is one of those things where you might get into some of the gray area between the normative principle of worship and the regulative principle of worship. Uh, obviously, there are two offices listed in scripture. You have elders and deacons. And really, deacons are, I think, basically anybody who serves. And Anybody who serves, well, basically they need to have a decent reputation. <laughs> they need to have their junk together. And, I mean, if, if that's all we're talking about, basically, then, all right, I'm on board. Uh, number two, this one's obvious, and I'm not really going to s- spend much time on it. Number two, your worship leader should be musically capable. Uh, no duh. The um, second paragraph in this, though, does say, It is unwise to let this qualification steer the entire ship. We often... Very often sacrifice uh, theological prowess for musical prowess when there needs to be there needs to be a a balance to be struck there. Uh, number three, this one's pretty good, and a lot of people don't think about this one. Uh, your worship leader should be almost invisible. A guest leaving the Sunday gathering should be more struck by the corporate witness of the congregation praising God in song than by the ability or presence of one man. Whoa, those people love to sing about Jesus is always better than, man, that guy is great. Now that, I do have some experience with that, where at Res there have been, whether it's instrumentalists or... Uh, Worship leaders or singers or whatever, where not most of the time, but often uh, people would say, man, I love when such and such plays. And it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be because necessarily because they are leading me into worship, it's because, man, they have a great voice. That guy can shred or or what have you. And that can. And it wasn't any. Any, by any effort of these people, it was just that for whatever reasons, uh, when people complimented them, it was more about them than it was about, about actually worshiping Jesus, which should be the priority, right? So what I've kind of run into in, in, my, in getting compliments myself is I've gotten both, where, where some people have said, I, I love watching you play. Um, and it kind of sits there, and then there have been other people that say, "Watching you bounce around a little bit, you know, since I'm a metalhead and that's just kind of my natural inclination, I actually have to kind of restrain myself from my quote-unquote normal stage presence uh, with the metal stuff." Is you know there there are definitely people who have said, "Yeah, watching you bounce around frees me up to express more worship and all that kind of stuff," and that's that's really what you want to hear. Uh, number four, your worship leader should be committed to gospel-anchored liturgy. Uh, and obviously using liturgy in a general sense, as in the flow of the gathering, not a rote recited form of standing and sitting and singing that must be repeated weekly. Every church gathering, this is important, every church gathering follows some kind of liturgy. The question is whether it reflects the character of God and the content of the gospel or just the whatever strikes us approach. Anchoring liturgy in the gospel may mean scripted transitions between songs that help to move the congregation through the service, scripture readings, prayers, testimonies of God's grace, tethered to the theme of the passage about to be preached. Number seven, your worship leader should be committed to the explicit worship of Jesus. Yeah, if, (laughs) if, if all you have is generic God and save and whatever, uh, there's nothing wrong with a song that doesn't, with a song that doesn't explicitly mention Jesus or gospel, sin, cross, whatever. Uh, But if you can't, uh, we'll say this. If an unconverted Jew doesn't get hung up by the songs that you sing in church, you're doing it wrong. You're just doing it wrong. your song should point explicitly to the triune God of the Bible um, and step on the toes in a graceful way just because of the content. It should step on the toes of the unconverted and prod them to toward repentance. Number eight, your worship leader should encourage and enlist congregational participation. Very, very yes. This should not be a performance. Uh, We should not be up there saying, hey, look at us, and we are the professionals, and listen to us sound awesome. Uh, We should be playing with excellence, but this is about congregational singing. Uh, You look all throughout uh, Scripture, and you have examples of groups of people singing, not just a guy doing a solo every now and then. Uh, Number nine, finally. Your worship leaders should be chiefly concerned with honoring God and upholding Jesus and the gospel more than reaching the next generation or any other predetermined demographic. Uh, this is uh, one of the things I actually really like about Rez um, is we have a decent amount of young people, decent amount of old people, and a decent amount of people in between. Uh, nobody has come out and said, yeah, we have to reach the next generation, therefore we're going to do these things to cater to them. Uh, nor have we said, hey, old people, we, we only want to make sure that the last few years you're here, you're, you're absolutely comfortable with everything. We, we end up, I think, striking a pretty good balance of having some traditional stuff, having some more modern stuff. And, and both demographics I have found can benefit from that um, in that we're not throwing out hundreds of years of Christian tradition but we're also not saying hey anything before this arbitrary year in the 1800s uh, is gold and anything after that arbitrary year is is garbage um what you know we we recognize that, the church is 2,000 years old, at least in terms of the new covenant church. and We, we can get into covenantalism uh, at another time. But Christianity is not just geared toward the latest and greatest or toward the young or just toward the old. It's for everybody. So right here, we're going to take a very quick commercial break and then be right back uh, with some rapid fire questions. The sponsor for this week's episode answers the question, Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast. Stan, who happens to be my dad, we call him Padre in the Fields household, and Trevor, take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a conversation about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, and more. You can send your questions to ask at all 7 voicemail or text eight six four six six zero nine four seven three, or visit all 7 And so for our very first edition of rapid fire questions, which were gathered from the Westminster effects doxology podcast lounge. So make sure you join that and join in the discussion. Uh, Sam Jones, why are people afraid to discuss theology on worship forums? This is a fantastic question and it. I could dedicate an entire episode, probably even a series of episodes about why this is. I think the, uh, The problem is twofold. The first is that we live in a postmodern era where everybody's truth is relative. And as long as it makes you feel nice and as long as it's true for you, then who am I to judge? Um, They'll actually go so far as to telling somebody that they are wrong for telling somebody that they're wrong which is a double standard and a self-refuting statement because you just told me that I'm wrong for telling you that you're wrong. So doesn't that make you wrong? Uh, And you can see the absurdity when we tease that out. Uh, People haven't learned how to uh, lovingly fight with their brothers and sisters. Uh, We know how to fight in a family, right? We, We all know that that when we criticize each other and and offer correction within within a nuclear family, that we do it out of love. Now sometimes we'll say the wrong things. We'll need to apologize later, uh, but that that should be the same way in the body of Christ. We need to learn how to fight each other uh, to the glory of God and for each other's benefit. Uh, the uh, the second reason, which is which is just as important, I think, is people just. Don't know. They don't read the Bible. They don't. Um, they don't take the time to actually dig in and see uh, if there's any real foundation for what they're saying or believing. Um, and oftentimes, especially in these online forums, well, no, there's not any real foundation for what you're saying. Uh, so that's that's what I would encourage people to look at is is are you holding to a double standard ultimately and are you actually reading the bible uh has god actually revealed his will in in this situation regarding a theological issue usually the answer is yes uh assuming you have a proper doctrine of inerrancy and all that kind of stuff Corey Truax, who, by the way, has a fantastic podcast. He has also been a guest on the show before. Uh, just l- look him up on any of your podcast platforms for The Corey Truax Show. Uh, favorite verse of favorite hymn and why? Uh, I, I don't know if I have an absolute favorite hymn, um, but my favorite verse is probably the last one of it as Well With My Soul. And Lord haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It's usually, usually turns out that my favorite verses, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Usually my favorite verses of hymns are the last ones because it shows us the eschatological end uh, toward the plan of, Redemptive history, uh, and by that I mean, often in modern worship music we we stay stuck in uh, God loves me, and there's nothing wrong with singing simply about the love of God or anything in the present. However, the you know the first 1,900 years of church history had a rich tradition of moving from here is my state now, or before I was. Uh, saved. Uh, here is my state now that I am saved, and here is uh, the state of things that will be when everything is complete. And and that's really the message of the Bible, right? Is is we have. Uh, creation and fall, uh, a whole lot of preparation, redemption, and then the end of things where Jesus makes all things new. And that's that's why I tend toward the uh, the last verse of, of him so often. Uh, so, Question number four, we're going to combine one that Corey Truax asked uh, plus one that Brian Morris asked. How long is too long for a worship song in a live worship setting? And how long should a bridge be? Why are P-dub bridges so long? Uh, I don't have a good answer for a hard and fast rule. Um, I'm a Coheed and Cambria fan. (laughs) They've got some songs that are like 12... 13 minutes, and I'm, I'm also a between the buried in me fan, tesseract, uh, all kind of proggy, weird stuff that tends toward really long songs. So I don't mind a long song, provided the structure isn't overly repetitive. I think the reason so many worship bridges are so long, and I might step on a couple toes here, and that's okay, is that so many in the, in the, uh, we'll say, Fringes. We'll just say the fringes of, of things and even some of the fringes of sanity um, basically want to repeat things over and over and over again to functionally bring the listener into a trance, which they will say is the presence of God or something like that. Um, but in terms of the length of a song, um, I don't know. Uh, you, you really just kind of have to use your own discernment and wisdom there. In that, there are some songs, say, like the doxology. Uh, I'm sure there are other verses to that song historically, but everybody only ever currently sings, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below, praise him above, ye heavenly hosts, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And that's the end of the song. You might repeat it, but that's really about it. And then there's other songs that, you know, fit your... Uh, typical radio format of three to four minutes, and then you've got others that run eight to ten. Uh, you really just have to use your own discernment with your worship team. Uh, at Resurrection Church, we, uh, you know, we might cut an instrumental in half. Uh, or something of the sort. Uh, we do that all the time to kind of save on time, and maybe things are getting a little repetitive. Um, but but the reason that so many bridges are so long is, is basically emotionalistic nonsense. Um, I'm not going to hold that against anybody. Uh, that's just what it is. And we have a lot of that in American evangelicalism today. Mm-hmm. Jared Hartley asks, pedal order, how do you have your signal chain laid out, amps included? Do you have different pedal boards for church versus side projects, for example, my metal band? And how do I juggle the different requirements from a practical standpoint? So I am using a Pedal Train 2 at the moment. With a, uh, a True Tone CS7, I, think, I honestly think that the True Tone CS power bricks are the best on the market, at least in terms of normal affordability. Um, so I've actually downsized recently from a 32-inch board to a 24-inch board, and um, That's a really good question of juggling the different requirements. Uh, Basically, the way that I juggle the different tones that I need is with a Strymon Timeline. Um, Since I use a lot of delay in my metal band, and obviously in worship stuff, you're using delay on nearly every song for the entire song, I like how with the Strymon, I can have different presets for every song. And then with the librarian function, I can just use a MIDI to USB cable, and then sync that up with my computer, and then uh, so I can dump presets from this from last week's songs onto my computer, re-upload the old songs that I've played before on there, and then just go ahead and make new ones for what I haven't done. And then I can uh, arrange that all into a set list. So I have you know the first few banks reserved for church stuff, and I'll just scroll through those as we go through the set, and then everything after that is. Is um reserved for pretty much whatever, but with the band stuff, I have you know a preset for each song that I need it for. I don't need it on every song, uh. But signal chain goes um uh, obviously guitar, and then into a TC Electronic PolyTune Two Mini, that goes into the Calvin compressor, and then into the Zwingly, and then into the Augustine. clean. You'll notice you know I pretty much mostly play my own stuff. I, I actually believe in my own products. Uh, Calvin Compressor Zwingli SDD3K for a preamp. Those are my always-on pedals. Those are my uh, secret sauce, if you will. Those go into the Augustan Clean Boost, and then that goes into the looped uh, TC Electronic Century noise gate. Since I play so much high-gain stuff, I do need a noise gate. Uh, and then that runs into a uh, a nose pedal also a thing that i own uh loop switcher all soft touch which uh has a piper drive e89 uh well okay so the first channel is piper drive second channel is the e89 which has the edwards overdrive in 1689 and then the third one uh is basically my let's get nasty channel so we have the Osteen distortion and the puritan depending on what i'm doing like if i'm playing uh Straight up metal, I'll obviously use the Osteen. I was actually playing a Monomarth, so some nice Viking metal uh, last night. Um, But then I also, you know, broke down, played some Blink-182 and Alkaline Trio and used mostly the Puritan uh, stacked with the Piper Drive and that sounded really fun. Uh, And then the fourth channel on my loop switcher is uh, my Modulation, which I don't use just a ton. Uh, So that has a Moor slow engine, which is, a clone, a tinier clone, of the Boss Slow Gear. And then that goes into a Boss MD 500, which I don't use just a ton. I got it mainly for testing out the controllers that I build for them. Uh, And then the fifth channel on that is the Strymon Timeline. I actually don't run a chick delay because I don't have room for it uh, with all the other stuff that I need uh, for my purposes. Um, And everybody's got different needs in their rig. Uh, I just don't need the chick delay. I know that sounds weird that one of <laughs> one of my best-selling pedals isn't on my rig, uh, but it is what it is. And then the last channel of that loop switcher has a Chalcedonian Dual Reverb, so that has the Nicene Reverb on the right. It's more of a spring style. It's got the Spurgeon on the on the left, and those are stackable, and it's great. And I also have a Boss RV5 Digital Reverb, uh, set to the modulate settings so stacking all three of those is just glorious I go from that into a patch bay, which is also where my obligatory tiny Altoids 10 full of um, Picks resides and that will run to depending on where I am to the amp uh, if I'm at church, we're running, um, the church owns a Vox AC-15, and that is running into a Jet City ISO-cab with a Sennheiser, oh, it's the flat one, I don't remember what it's called, I don't remember the model number, um, but it's running into an ISO-cab, and then obviously that runs into the in-ears in the system. Uh, when I'm at home with my own stuff, I recently acquired a Marshall DSL-40CR, which is my wife and I are actually both playing through through those amps, and they are fantastic. Uh, good clean tones, uh, handles pedals really well. Uh, it also has a digital cab simulator, so the way we're doing band practice right now is with a, a Roland. It's, it's basically Roland's version of a jam hub with an electric drum kit and everybody going direct, and you can run direct with this thing, uh, with a direct box. Um, now, obviously, some of you are going to be like, why don't you use a Geneva amp sim? Well, with metal tones, I want I want to use what I'm going to use more often in a live situation. Uh, so with, with the metal band, we're playing a lot of crappy venues, and sometimes you just have to crank an amp and run, run that as your stage volume and your venue volume, and I don't want to lug something else around believe me i love the geneva amp sim i'm using it for some of the demo or really all of the demo videos that i'm that i'm shooting right now and and it's man i love that thing. Uh, but in terms of my own personal use, um, it's, it's not, it hasn't made it into the rig yet. Uh, hopefully one day I'll be able to run stereo and actually use it. Um, so yeah, in terms of recommended stuff this week, I don't really, it's been a crazy week. My wife's car pretty much exploded. So we're in the process of getting rid of, uh, that old piece of crap and getting her a, a new vehicle. Uh, so instead I'm going to recommend, uh, Uh, MyGuitarSupply.com. They actually have uh, some Westminster and No Stuff on Amazon. So I'll post a link to that. Um, If you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please share it on Facebook and leave comments and five-star reviews. And you can support us at Anchor.fm. The first five people who pledge to donate $10 a month for a year get a free, not really free, but you know what I mean, a V2 Piper drive. Uh, Also, you can leave us a voicemail with the Anchor app. And if you leave a voicemail with a pithy enough comment or a good enough question uh, or thought-provoking enough question, I guess we should say, we very well may play your message on the show and interact with it. You can email us at westminstereffects at gmail.com to suggest material for the show. And make sure you hashtag bipedals at westminstereffects.com. Uh, What we're going to leave you with today, let's see. I didn't even plan for that, did I? Oh, boy. Hey, everybody. John Ross here. Looks like we had some technical difficulties in the audio files. Uh, for Cody's wrap up here. So what we're going to do is we're going to leave you with the audio from the demo of the Westminster Effects Zurich preamp. So be sure to go to WestminsterFX.com and check out the Zurich preamp as well as the Westminster and nose pedal lineup and give us all your money so we can give you all of our pedals. Make sure you leave us a, uh, a comment and a review on iTunes and all that other good stuff. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time. Next, I want to try just a little bit in Dadgad and show you about the fullness of the guitar through this pedal. The Zurich pre-up overall adds a great quality to the guitar and uh, much less the what's super important to me with for my acoustic rig is being able to control these things like volume and treble and bass straight from the pedal and then I can make my micro adjustments on the guitar itself. <laughs> If you're looking for something for your acoustic rig, this Zurich preamp is just for you.